Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for being here with us. Seven Hopkins looking for a block. Giacomini gives it to him. He also got one from Martin, and there he goes. It's a foot race, and he is in for the lead. Shot rolling. Shot looking. Fires. Touchdown, Houston. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up for What podcast, talking your Houston Texans. Straight from the Great British Isles, and we're back for a third of our series on the fan roundtables, talking Texans in this dead spot of the news cycle until we get to training camp. And really enjoyed these the last couple of weeks. Got another couple of guys joining this week again. I've been really humbled by the response. Um, two opposite ends of the globe, one's not so far from me, um, and another north of the border, but we're not talking the UK. Um, Jeff, you're coming from Quebec City. How you doing? And uh, you want to tell us, you know, your Texan story in the moment that made you keep coming back? Uh, yeah, so I, I've been a, a Texans fan since uh, 2004, since I spent some time in, uh, in, in Houston. It's been, uh, we had a lot of uh, ups and downs as a Houston fans, you know that, right? So, uh, yeah, so what the moment that got and me coming back is probably uh, I don't know maybe when I finally accepted that the Texans uh, would probably be bad for another three years at least. Um, so there's no uh, not a particular event uh, in this offseason that said well maybe I should continue to cheer for that team. I mean it's just I love that team and I, I think I, I should support them whatever happens. So so yeah, this is my uh, my stance on. And when person. when you were at uh, when you were at Rice uh, University, what was your what was your first moment or first experience um, as a, as watching the team? Actually, it's it's a it's a fun story because my my uh, my second son uh, was born in in Houston, just probably two or t- uh, three miles from uh, from the Reliant Stadium, which is now the the Energy Stadium, and I got stuck in traffic with two very young babies in the back of my car for two hours for a preseason game. I said, well, if this team is able to stay in the traffic for two hours for a preseason game, there's something special here. So, uh, and you know that the smell of barbecue around the Reliance Stadium and stuff like that. So I just fell in love with, with that, with that team, with, with that culture in Houston. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one thing I think, um, whatever happens with the team, they'll still have, Houston traffic, I think. And uh, Paul, how you doing? And what's your uh, Texan story? Yeah, so um, thank you very much for having me. My my Texan story is a, a little different. So um, people around my age in the UK, I'm th- nearly 36. We'll have grown up a little bit with Sunday morning NFL on Channel 4 and, and watching that and uh, always kept a keen interest but never really selected a team. And then I was quite lucky to get a, a ticket to one of the NFL London games with my brother. And he said, well, if you're coming along, you've got to select a team. You can't come and not have a team. So it was a case of, right, who's out there? And um, that that year we did a bit of watching of, of games and went along and selected the Texans because it's the newest franchise. And 
wanted to watch them grow as they've kind of stuttered growing <laughs> sometimes. But, you know, we'll get there. And then, and then that year we had Clowney was the number one overall pick. So that was 2014, really. And then not looked back since. So. And did you have you have you got a favourite moment or a or a moment on the field that uh, that made you think or, or or kind of caught you hooked you in a bit? Yeah, so I think I, I think because it's only been twenty fourteen when I was properly invested. I think the that first three or four games before he got injured of Watson was the the, the moment when I thought things might happen. The Seattle game, the Patriots game, I thought. We could be on the on the way to something there, <laughs> and that's kind of gonna be, be a, the end of the end of that story, really, isn't it? I think is the is near, but no, it was a that that moment there where it was kind of hooked into it. Then, yeah, I remember that I was actually in in Seattle that game, and uh, the yeah, it was yeah, what well, a really strange experience because you won, but it almost it almost didn't matter because you just played so well, and you thought, well, you know, whatever happens. You know, this team might make a run of some form if it can just get into the playoffs. And uh, yeah, it felt like everything was possible that season. But I think all the decisions that's been made since 2017, uh, we talked about a bit of that last week from Dwayne Brown, who was, you know, I remember it distinctly being traded the week later, um, sitting in the hotel bar and the phone flashes up and you saw what he'd been traded for. And yeah, it kind of didn't feel right at the time. And that was one of the many dominoes. I'm not sure we're getting to it, but um yeah, yeah, good, good, some fond memories there, um, and uh, some personal ones as well. And I think that's what makes it makes it for for everybody. Um, we're a couple of weeks away, um, as Radio Six Ten I've heard is calling it is Camp Casario. Um, what's your what's your view on this sort of upcoming training camp and just the general assembly of this roster? Uh, I mean, in my case, I'm pretty happy with with what uh, Nick Casario has done, uh, especially in the the position in the position uh, he's in. I mean, I think uh, that he's a well-respected guy in the NFL. Uh, he got the worst situation to work with, I think. Uh, but uh, in the circumstances, I think uh, I'm happy with what he has done so far. Uh, he has he had no draft capital. We have to remind uh, to remind us that uh, he has a disgruntled uh, QB. <laughs> Uh, to deal with an upset ba- uh, fan base, so it's not a very easy time f- to be uh, to be a GM for the Houston Texans right now. So I think what he has done so far is uh, is great. So I would give him an A if I could grade uh, his work. Um, we'll see. We'll see what it what it gives in two, three, four years from now. But I think he managed to to get some people uh, to, to get good players in very specific area of the field. So uh, to create a lot of competitions, I think this is very important with the, the way this franchise is, is turning the corner. So uh, yeah, in my case, I'm pretty happy with what has been done so far. Yeah. And Paul, I think he's, he's certainly gone for volume. Um, he's not committed to anybody beyond the punter who was the, you know, Cameron Johnson, Australian lad who was, you know, given the most years and most guarantees, pretty much um, nigh on anyway on guarantees, but most years on a contract. What do you think of the just general approach of you know he's spreading his bets? Um, he's he's trying to you know I think he realizes that this is a kind of this is a year of 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 you know there's no pressure on this year. I think and he probably realizes that. He maybe didn't realize that when he signed. But what do you think of his 
of his moves and what do you think his plan is? I think because I think for, you know people have varying views from the, from the outside. Looking at looking at the different players he's brought in on relatively low guaranteed sums, so I think he's hoping that if he can come out of this season and maybe four or five of them have shown their worth and shown their value that they might get extended longer deals and then build around a, a, a core of players that are going to be here long-term, including the rookies that we've got, rookies that we draft in the future, and these players that have proven their worth. There's there's no real huge standout star quality players he's brought in, but if we manage to free up some funds in the uh, in the cap cap for next year, then, then potentially there to, to bring in a, a bigger name to sell some more shirts and and go down that way because I think we're going to be without a, a star quarterback for for quite a while. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you know you talk about the year that, that we're about to have, and you know you mentioned selling jerseys, and I don't know who and how they'll sell jerseys this year. I mean, I couldn't tell you who the number one selling jersey of this team is. It you know, and the people you know, I hear the adage of who do you put on the program, who do you put on the season tickets, and. I don't know. What do you got? You know, do we? I don't think we have a face of a franchise. So until you get that, which we're probably a year away from getting, it feels like this this team doesn't have any huge direction on the field, and hence why perhaps Cully's been brought in. What do you think? I mean, if if we look, uh, I, I I think it it might sound weird, but I think regarding the COVID situation, with you know the 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 salary cap dropping this year, I think it. it it fits perfectly the situation for the Texans. So you can sign players for a very short term, one year, to see what uh, what they have left in the tank, like Mark and Graham and stuff like that. Bring leadership to your team. Bring experienced players to to help your young player player to grow and develop. Um, so I, I think in, in in that in that sense, it did a, a a very nice job at getting a lot of players from from outside with strong leadership. Um, but again, I mean, in, in terms of jerseys, I, I don't know which one, to be honest with you. I, I would I would go with, with someone like Jacob Martin, maybe. I really don't know. There is absolutely no uh, all-star player in this team right now. If, if Of course, if we think Deshaun Watson is not in the team anymore. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough year, but I think it's going to be a fun year. Yeah. No, I... I... I don't know how many teams would have it in the NFL, but I'll probably stand out if you take uh, Watson out of it. Our standout player for quality will probably be Laramie Tunsil, but I don't know how many teams in the NFL are having left tackles as their, their number one jersey seller, and he's not the most... I don't know, he's not like a, a JJ Watt that's going to be out there and give you all accesses. He seems like quite a... a, a not not fully reclusive guy, but he's a little bit more restrained, isn't he? So he's saying. Do you know? Do you know a funny story? Actually, I went in the so last last time I was in the store at the stadium, so I've been twenty nineteen, and I I was trying to get a present for one of my friends, and it was just not long after they traded him, um, and I said to the the lady in the store, I said, uh, "Do you have any Tunsil jerseys?" 
And obviously it's been a huge trade. You know, she's just an employee, doesn't necessarily have to be a fan. But she said to me that, oh, no, well, we can't stock all the players at the uh, at the store. We just we can only stock some of them, just the, just the, bit, it's the bigger important players or star players or whatever she said. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the lady in the store. So, you know, I think it just shows you how much has changed and how many players. And I know we brought in 50-odd players this off-season, you know, and maybe 20 to, you know, maybe 20, 25 of those will make the roster when we get the final 53. Um but it seems a lot of turnover. So of the moves that that, they've, that Casario's made, and it's very, I think it feels very much like Casario's team. But of the moves he's made, is there any any ones that stand out to you that you think there these might be irons in the fire and there might be pieces for future years? Because that's that's really what he's hoping for. I think with all of these guys. Uh, in my case, there there are two moves that I really like. First, not trading Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> It was very important because if you don't have a left tackle in this league, uh, you're in a bad shape. And second, uh, it's not player-related, but it's Pep Hamilton. I'm very, very happy to 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 count on him to uh, to help a quarterback like maybe uh, Davis Mills to to grow as a player. I, I'm not sure he's going to play this year, uh, but I think if he has a shot. Uh, Pep, Pep Hamilton can be can be the, the 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 centerpiece of that of that opportunity for Davis Mills. Uh, rather than that, I mean, he created a lot of competitions at very important positions, especially for the defense, because with the tempo two defense the, that they they are likely to run, they need a lot of linebackers, and they, they sign a lot of linebackers. You need you need the, uh, the depth at this position. So I think they. I think they did well in this area. So those are my three, I would say, moves that I like. Or sometimes the best move is the move that you don't make. And not trading Laramie Tunsil for me was uh, was crucial. So did you did you think they were going to going to ship him out? Is that your thought? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know with the with the Deshaun Watson situation. Knowing that you you are starting from scratch, maybe I thought maybe it would it would get rid of this big contract and and start over, but uh, it, I don't know if he, he resisted the pressure or maybe tried and he didn't get what he what he wanted. I I, I don't know. I have no insights about this, of course. But um, I think I think this no move is the best move of the off season. <laughs> yeah, and Paul, Paul, would you before you get on your moves, would you would you trade Tunsil? Because I think I think Caseri was definitely taking that the approach that. Nothing's nailed down. He's got no commitments to anybody. Even the guys he's brought in, he's not committed to. He's shown that by the contract. So, uh, would you would you ship out him or any others to try and sort of you know look to the future? No, I think what my my initial thought was it was if we were going to be trading Tunsil, we'd if there was a possibility to trade them as a package, him and Watson as one one group, clear a lot of cap space that way, and then get some return in in draft capital. I think the only the only team for me where it makes sense of Watson going is the Dolphins, and then if you get Tua back as part of that deal, I think he's, I'm, pretty, I'm I think I'm right in saying that he's left-handed, and then probably more important for your right tackle to be the man. And Titus Howard was a, a right uh, right tackle for a left-handed quarterback in college, if if memory serves me right. So that could have been something they they were looking at. So, but I I don't see the point in overly trading him. He's, into the Pro Bowl every year he's been at the Texans so I think you try and keep hold of that type of talent as best as you can 
yeah, especially if you do end up with an inexperienced quarterback as well. Well, that, yeah, that I think yeah, I think the dynamics have changed because I I think within the context of trading for him, it's been well documented. It probably wasn't a good move. It removed all of your future rebuilding um, uh, pieces to, to get him. And when I think when you know when you went eleven and eleven and uh, eleven and five with Julian Davenport, and then you know you, you you know if you get the ball out quick and you make adjustments to your scheme, you know you just have to have people there that are going to you know be functional rather than sort of elite or you know and give too much away to be elite. But I suppose the dynamics with Tunzel now have changed in many ways because if you're not paying a quarterback, which might not well be um, at some point in the next year, whenever that'll be, then I suppose you can afford the luxury that he is, in fact, the luxury to pay somebody $22 million. I mean, that contract still stands out. Um, you saw Ryan Ramchick of the Saints get a deal, obviously a right tackle, so traditionally pays slightly less, but still nowhere near that. You know, Ronnie Stanley gets a new deal, nowhere near that contract. So, you know, I think it's not Tunzel's fault and it's not necessarily a slant on his talent in any way. I mean, uh, like his run blocking is questionable. And I've put many clips out of that. I, don't, I think he dogs it a bit at times and he's not too interested in getting his ankle tangled up or whatever. Um, pass protection, obviously, you can't complain. But yeah, he's probably your, your main piece at this stage. But I think, yeah, nothing's nailed down and I wouldn't rule out, you know, any of these players, um, you, know, get, you know, getting shipped out at some point if the offer's right. Um, Paul, did you have a favourite move of the off season that you that you or, or or somebody you think might pay dividends in future years? Yeah, I, I quite like the um, there's a there's a couple of player moves that I quite like. The one in the draft and one in, in free agency. So um, getting Philip Lindsay for the value we got him for, and there's not as much value in in older. Well, not he's not even that old. He's twenty twenty six, I think, in veteran running backs because um, of the amount. Of, punishment their bodies go through but I quite like the um Nico Collins in the in the draft I thought that was a, a pretty smart move big bodied guy could complement Cooks on the other side quite well really if they decide to go that way um but other than that I think other than that I think Jeff's right I think um Pep Hamilton's a good forward looking move as well because if you at the end of this year if you don't like the idea of moving forward with um the current coordinator, you can easily bring Pep Hamilton up into that position, especially the amount you're already paying him. I think he's on on similar, if not just a little bit less than the current OC in terms of wages. So, oh, well, I think he's paid more. I think, from my understanding, yeah, Is he? yeah, I think, I think so. so. Um, so, I, w- I mean, and look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out at any point at this stage um, him perhaps taking over um, the OC role at some point if Tim Kelly's not getting it done because. It's certainly not going to look pretty on offense. I don't think people are going to necessarily react to that well, considering what they've been used to for the last few years. But you know, you'll get away with it on the road. Um, but home games, you know, when you're going three and out and getting booed. In terms of this uh, team this year, then what do you, what do you, what do you think will be the biggest change? And obviously, Watson coming out is the big factor. Nobody really knows, and it feels like that hangs over the team, but. In terms of the product on the field, do you have any kind of expectations what that might look like? Um, for me, I think just looking at the players we've we've signed in free agency and Cully coming from where he's come from with the Ravens being very run, run first, multiple running backs on the field at any one point and having, having options that I think are going to be slightly more run heavy. Um, I don't think we'll be seeing anywhere near to the numbers that, that Watson put up last year, even if Watson was under centre. 
I think it would be dramatically re- reduced. He wouldn't be the number one passing quarterback in the league. Even if he was coming back this year, I don't think, just with the options we're going to have in the backfield. Yeah, and Jeff, what do you think in terms of the offense? In terms of more more of a, a commitment to the run game? Oh yeah, definitely. Because uh, I think they now they have like uh, David Johnson, who is I mean we all know David Johnson, but I think if he has a, a role where he doesn't have to carry the whole running uh, game on his on his shoulder, I think he's going to be better at catching the ball down maybe five ten year uh, ten. Uh, Yards down the field, so he's a. It's, it's, I think he's still a good um, catching running back. Uh, so if you put uh, Philip Lindsay there with Mark Ingram, his leadership and with with the short yardage, I think they have everything to succeed in um, in the uh, in the run game. So I think this is where they put the emphasis on. I think this is this is where they uh, they will uh, they will excel actually. So I, I'm pretty confident that they will have a good, a very good season. I'm, I'm not sure we'll see like a thousand yard running back this year, but if if they carry the ball uh, by a committee, I think uh, this is something that's going to be interesting to watch at least. And and the O line I think has been uh, upgraded in terms of run blocking. Uh, in my opinion, I, I know it, not everybody agrees with that, but I think I think the O line will be much better in terms of uh, Run blocking and just the fact that you change the the O line coach, I think it's a good a good thing this year too. Yeah, that was that was uh, going to be exactly my point, and then Jeff got on to it. I think we brought some um, good solid veterans in on the O line, but I think the uh, Mister Devlin not coming back as O line coach will be a, a big a big positive to uh, some some aspects of the of the offensive game. I think. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 tough to tell. I think you're right. I think we've got to commit. Like it looks like there'll be a committee approach, but the problem was that it was they didn't they, they didn't commit to to a style of running. And towards the end of the year, they they, they started running inside zone against poor opposition, albeit Cincinnati and Indianapolis and and what have you from from uh, from those final games. But they racked up some numbers. But I mean, it was not good. You were ranked last in the in in the league in terms of run you know run attack and that's that's going to be a big thing to try and get, get the offense balanced because when you take away up you know a tran a transcendent talent under center in terms of the passing game then it's, it's difficult to try and see them run and i think that's the concern i think can those can these running back i mean Luke running back is a year-to-year position guys can fade you see that quickly Gurley, um you know and, and guys like that who have just gone to places melvin melvin gordon who have gone you know high draft picks not really shown longevity just as you said the the pounding that they, they take at that position, um, and I, I think it's it's a question of can they can they commit to a style of running and do that really well. And I, I I'm not sure if that, if that is possible because obviously they've changed the internal makeup of of the of the line um, and who that'll be we don't know. But um, in term in terms of the depth depth chart and running back, then guys, who would you who would you think is going to be the sort of you know get the the bulk of the carries? Um, and then how do you and who do you see the guys? Um, supporting them with because it's hard to tell I suppose until we know what kind of style they are but I assume Philip Lindsay's one and then who's the kind of two you know offensive players that you see probably following them up and then they'll probably take a couple of, you know maybe one special teams guy as well if they take four There's some questions to ask around, around the running back room I think it's probably one of our strongest areas in terms of depth and quality that we have but <clears throat> there's some questions around a few players in there so I really like Philip Lindsay I think he's probably one of them, he probably is my favourite free agent get of the of the of the off season, but 
There's obviously David Johnson's still got his contract, even though we paid converted some of it into guaranteed. That's still there, so he's going to be. He's definitely going to be there. And then I think we've all forgot about Rex Burkhead still being around as well. I'm pretty sure. So, and obviously he's going to be. He was bought in by Casario, expatriates player. So it'll be a clamour to try and keep him. And then Mark Ingram being a, a, a Cully player as well. I don't think you can carry all four of them into the season. Um, so whether you'd look at doing three and then a Scotty Phillips as a younger guy to to help out on special teams or not, I don't know. But the, which one you'd lose, I think it'd be a, a pretty tough call, I think. Yeah, and, and and Jeff, do you think it's as simple as Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, your top two? You've got a you got a third down back guy can catch the ball at the backfield. You got a guy that makes his money between the tackles, and then Ingram's probably a, a just an older, perhaps version of, of Philip Lindsay, which makes me think, um, Philip, you know, um, Rex Burhead might make the team if healthy. If not, perhaps Ingram. But I think it's probably um, it's probably Burkhead's job to lose. I think, and it just depends where where. Um, where Mark Ingram is probably at this stage wrong side of thirty because they not many last after after they you know they hit thirty unless your name's uh, Frank Gore. Yeah, I, uh, to be honest with you, I was not a big fan of the Burkhead signing because I didn't see him fitting very well with what they are, what I think they are trying to do with this running game. Because for me, the uh, the bulk of the the carries will be uh, will be uh, Philip Lindsay, of course. Uh, and I, I, I saw Mark Ingram in short yardage kind of situation. You know, you need one, two yards, stuff like that. Um, Burkhead, uh, his health is is always an issue. It's a concern. So, um, but yeah, I agree with Paul. I think this is exactly how it's gonna turn us out. Uh, turn out. So yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it's probably between I don't know Scotty Phillips and uh, and. And uh, and Howell make the roster, um, but I, I I think perhaps perhaps Howell's on there, um, and Phillips is a practice squad guy. But I thought both did well towards the end of the season, and it just shows you actually running back is the easiest position to fill, um, and we've not done that um, all season. So yeah, I think you're right. At least it's going to be a, a toss up between Burkhead, perhaps Ingram and Johnson. And, you know, with those three getting the, the last spot. Um, what do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think. I think just going back to a, like an earlier question as well about how we're going to play, I think there's a lot of excitement at the start of last season about how we had uh, the two Johnsons, Duke and David, and how we were going to be having uh, two two guys in the backfield that could also be receiving threats. And I think we, we looked for a, a very short period of time like we could operate like that and give Watson some quick quick wins and get people into some space and then we quickly regressed into trying to pound the ball up on first, second and third down in some, some games and struggling and until the, the final quarter where we needed to go a bit more uh, aerial with it. So it, it could work again that way because that's obviously something that the Ravens did when Cully was there, but I'm not sure we've quite got the, the people to, to operate that same system. Yeah, I think it's it's a difficult one because you've you've got obviously to try and you you've got to get, you've got to block the holes, and I think that that's the big question for me. I think you know you could have the most average set of running backs, but a dominant line up front blocking, making space, whether that's zone or whether that's power. I really don't know at this stage where we're going to run. I would assume it would be a power run game, um, but yeah, I don't know if that that suited our two tackles who have heavily invested in. But 
Um, it's it's a difficult one uh, to do that. In terms of the skill positions, then we touched on Nico Collins, obviously a big body guy, who would have been the perfect addition to last year's wide receiver room. Um, and and he and he is the body, and he'd be the perfect addition if Watson was going to be suiting up. So obviously he makes the roster, and then I suppose Cooks and Cobb. Just with the contracts are probably on there, um, but again, do you think Casario? He's not tied to anyone. Do you think he makes a shock and just takes the dead cap hit if he's not seen performance? Just say it as a random call. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he's on a short leash because um, I think um, when you look at the depth chart for wide receivers, uh, it's not. I mean, it's not the most talented of the NFL, but I think they have some pretty good guys up there. So. Um, especially with Cub, uh, Cub's contract, I, 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 I'm not sure he's gonna spend the whole season in Houston if he's not uh, up to the expectation. This is my 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 feeling. So, um, I think they will they will go heavily with the young guys like Nico Collins. I really like this this pick, like like Paul said uh, earlier. Uh, I think this guy will will see a lot of field unless he's is screwing it up in in the training camp. But uh, I don't see it happening. So the Randall Cobb thing's interesting. Sorry, because I don't think we renegotiated his deal, did we? I think we did a lot of converting deals into more upfront. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think we did Randall Cobb's. But obviously, we still got Kiki QT, who ended up the season having a, a really good end to the season in the slot, and actually as a wide receiver too for parts as well. And and he's going into his final year, I think. So it's been a yeah, a, yeah. I think a wasted, a wasted draft pick in the fourth round. I think get all the talent in the world, and and O'Brien let these personal um, aspect of the of the uh, of of his team selection. I think affect that. I think it's a shame because I think that that Randall Cobb contract was the worst. I think of all of them, and there was some bad ones there. Eric Murray, um, for sure. But I think Randall Cobb, when you needed investment badly into the defense. Um, Isaiah Coulter as well. Do you think he's a guy that can that can come in? And I mean, we, again, of all the young guys last year, nobody saw anything off him. So um, I know people weren't overly impressed with him in training camp. But um, you think he'll be given a chance? But or or is there or is there too many veteran bodies on this on this roster that might that might take that spot? There's a, there's a lot of veterans there, but not huge amounts of them have been massively productive elsewhere. When you look at some of their career stats, it's and especially in the last couple of years, it seems to be the odd odd reception here or there. Nothing, nothing massive. Um, it should. I, I made a note earlier saying he should probably needs to be given more reps in camp and pre-season and see if he can prove it. If if we we know what Cooks can deliver, we know roughly what Cobb can deliver if he comes back healthy and and Cootie as well, but. We need to give these guys a bit of a chance. The the whole mantra at the start of last last training camp last year was, this is going to be a veteran year. We need veteran guys in through the door and we need this experience because of everything, the pandemic, what's going to be happening. And they're just all the, the rookies then just completely missed out really on a, a, a large part until the season was dead. And even then we didn't see Coulter. So I don't think no one really knows what, he's going to be able to offer. And, and Jeff, is, in terms of that, so if you think it's Nico Collins, Cooks and Cobb at the top, they're assuming the contracts get them on. Um, who do you, and, I, and obviously, I think Andre Roberts, considering the contract he was given here, has been a punt returner, so he takes up a spot. Who do you think takes those last two? Is Kiki QT there? Um, 
Chris Conley, who do you think takes up the last two spots there? Yeah, I think uh, Kiki Cutie for me is going to take a spot for sure. Uh, for the second one, it's, it's diff very difficult to say. <laughs> it's very difficult to predict because uh, I think it depends on if they want to have like experienced player on the field or if they give more 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 uh, field time to the youngster. It, I think it really depends on the few, first few games of the of the of the season. So. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that players like Dante Moncrief will see a lot of fields. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I think we'll see Isaac Coulter, Nico Collins, Kiki Kuti a lot with Brendan Cooks, of course. And I, I think it's going to be the, the probably the four the four guys uh, that we will see the most on the field. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think if, I mean Chris Chris Conley. I think from just his reputation in games in the league and, and, and yards, etc. Is, is a guy is a guy you might think to and is Coulter you know who knows with Coulter as well I think and you know and you got a guy like Ericsson, Moncrief you got Moore you got Taylor in there as well I think the the Dante Hazelton the undrafted rookie guy I mean I think in a season like this I think what's you know if he shows enough in camp he's a big body he's six three he, he he looks like a linebacker some of his highlights when I watched them you know the in the the clips from just after we picked him up um, after the draft and you think well. You know, if we're going to play a short passing game, you're going to need size and you're going to need people that are going to box out for easy yards. So um, you think that he, he might be there. But I suppose, it, again, it, it'll depend on the tight ends, but um, in terms of how, what kind of bodies they go at that position as well. But yeah, I, I think for me, I think it's Coots, Cobbs, Conley, Collins, all sees there, and then Kiki and Andre Roberts. And then they may take another body out of that laundry list. But I think it, the, the issue is, I think we won't know. And preseason probably will be interested, albeit late games. In terms of our time zone, Paul. In terms of preseason, but I think they'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, what these guys try out like and what they look like because it'll be there is there is a lot to get through and a lot for this coaching staff to try and to try and understand, um, you know, who who can perform and there's only so many reps to go around, so it's a big task for them, really. Yeah, if they if they confirmed what the the rules are this year regards the practice squads, because I know last year there was. A bit more flexibility with that. So could we put Colter on the practice squad again, and then keep keep him in house, monitor him, and then if needs be, if we if we're getting no production from one of the other ones, transfer him out. Get yeah, him out, yeah, I think so. I mean, and, it'll be interesting to see when he comes back physically. I think I think that was probably the challenge one because if you think guys like Stephen Mitchell, uh, Chad Hansen were getting reps over him last year when he was supposedly healthy, right at the end when we were down to the bare bones. Then uh, yeah, I think you you've got you've got to probably question that pick, which is you know which you probably shouldn't have you and a guy from Rhode Island, small school. But in terms of the rules, I believe it's going to be the same as last year. I think they were positive. You can allow you to reserve three players. And you got an extra five, I believe. So I, I I'm not hundred percent that's confirmed in its entirety. But I think the flexibility of that I think did suit teams and 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 fifty three plus ten is not big enough. You know you see that every year and certainly you know certainly your twenty seventeen showed that when. Texas went through, so had 78 players, I think it was, by the end of the season on the active game roster. So, um, yeah, I think hopefully, you know, they'll give you that flexibility because it will help a team like us when we're just, you know, everyone's on trial. I suppose that leaves us with the, the, the final position on offence in terms of looking at that. Um, obviously, the Watson thing hangs in the air. Um, what's your expectation for... The quarterback position then in terms of Tyrod's Texans because it's, it's been a while since he started injuries etc. I've kind of 
got him in there. But assuming Tyrod's there and, is, and it's a and it's a backup spot between Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills as we start, and it may change depending as we go through the season. But what's your kind of view on the quarterback position? Assuming Watson's legal case slash trade will perhaps avoid him suiting up at any point in the season, or in fact, do you, do you think he may he may well make an appearance at some point? No, I think I think personally that uh, Watson is done in Houston, so I don't think we will see him uh, wearing a Texans jersey uh, anymore. So, um, so yeah, in terms of the current uh, QB situation, I think it's far from perfect, but I think uh, in the circumstances, I think it's it's not that bad. It could have been worse. I mean, Ty- uh, Tyrod Taylor can manage a game at some point. Uh, he, he he can do good stuff on the field, so. This is why I said earlier that I think they will heavily rely on the run game because if you if you uh, remove some pressure on your quarterback to make the big plays, the big the big pass and stuff like that, I think this is a place where Tyrod Taylor can can have some pretty good game, decent game. So um, the only thing I'm worried about is the the, the difference in the skill set between Jeff Driscoll and and Tyrod Taylor. If Driscoll is the is the is the backup because uh, I I don't know if Tim Kelly can make the proper adjustment if, for example, something bad happened to Tyrod Taylor, like an injury or something like this. So uh, I'm not sure if they will be able to switch offense very rapidly between those two guys, but uh, we'll see. I'm I'm not overly confident, but it could be worse. Yeah, what do you think, Paul, in terms of of Tyrod Taylor? I know you probably didn't think you would be in this position of him being your starting quarterback. It looks <laughs> certainly that way. Um, what's your kind of expectations? Because, I mean, there's an adage, hurt guy, hurt guys stay hurt. And, you know, and even in the, the one season that he has played, in the, you know, not in, or his last full season with Buffalo when he took him to the playoffs, he still was benched in that game. So, you know, what what what, what do you think that the offense looks like with a guy like Tyrod, 11-year vet? But um, there's perhaps limitations there. Yeah, I think we... The playbook will be a little bit more. It's not going to be anywhere near as expansive at times as it was last year with some of the trick plays towards the end against Detroit and stuff like that. I think it's going to be, as we said before, I think it'll be pretty run heavy initially, and then some quick, quick plays to get the ball at his hand, build the confidence, and then maybe expand on it a little bit further down the line. I think the frustrating thing is, I think if Watson was still in the door, I think you'd have a, a perfect two for him there as a as a support. Be, be better than last year's option um, and then you could have Davis Mills around as a developmental third third quarter back to, to learn the ropes as you go which would be ideal but I think I was a bit surprised we let the other Bengals quarterback we, we got we traded for I think we trade for Ryan Finley yeah yeah, and then let him go yeah. and then I'm, su- I'm surprised we let him go because I thought he was probably more suited to being a backup to Tyrod than Jeff Bristol. But not that I've seen a huge amount. There's certainly no um there's certainly no you know concern or 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 uh or pre- or president or or you know the, the smart, tough, dependable guys who kind of got a free pass under the last regime, you know, that's I think that showed that they didn't see enough from him early doors and, and he's gone, I think. And in in terms of in terms of that as well, do you see you know the team making further moves. I think you know everything. I think they will continue to churn that roster. I mean, he's obviously uh, 
apparent about that, Casario. Do you think they'll make further moves? Is there, you know, nobody's tied down? Is there or anybody you would like to see them bring in, or is there anyone you you think they, or any spot you think they could add beyond the perhaps the ones we've chatted about there? Bring, bring in somebody maybe that can put a bit on the, on the opposite side of the ball, someone that can put a bit, more, bit of pressure on opposition quarterbacks would be nice. Whether that's interior or on the edge, I think that's one area where we are, where we could probably do with a lot of support. I think when you're looking at opposite Shaq Laws, who would be great as maybe your second or third rusher, off the opposite side, we're still going in with Merck, Jonathan Grenard. You know, uh, it's that Martin, so it it leaves a little bit to be desired, and then obviously that causes issues on the back end of the defense as well, because we can't slow the ball coming out. So, well, yeah, and that's it, Jeff. I think I, I listened to it was Paul, um, it was Lum, uh, Mike Lombardi, and he was talking about um, the former GM, and he does a, a, a podcast, and he was talking. Um, just about how that that defense that Lovey Smith's trying to go in is a bit dated. Um, you've seen Matt Eberflus kind of update it slightly, um, and the Colts have been reasonably successful. But he 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 made the comment: if you can't rush with those four guys up front, the whole thing doesn't work. And I think that's perhaps the feed on that side of the ball. But you know, I know I know a guy like Melvin Ingram still available. Track record, obviously, wrong side of thirty. Um, got some miles on the tires but you know is there, is there somebody out there you want to see is bring in you know at the, on the edge or even just somewhere to play at the middle because we talked about a couple of weeks ago we don't think we've got a run a run stuff in one tech on the books beyond uh brandon dunn who was kind of you know regressed last season somewhat in a bigger role yeah uh it's difficult to say i think i think the pass rush won't be as bad as people think um be, the only reason is I, I think guys like Jacob Martin and even Blacklock, Grenard uh, last year were all misused, I think, in my opinion. So uh, they, they, they got put in very weird situation for their, uh, their skill set. So this is the main challenge. So if, if, the, uh, if Lovie Smith is able to use those guys for what they are really good for, I think they can... I'm, I'm not saying that they have like the Washington football team pass rush or that kind of stuff, but I think I think they can put enough pressure to uh, to force the quarterback uh, to to throw the ball quickly. So in a tempo two kind of defense or cover two stuff like that, I think it can pays off at some point. But I, I think the problem is the depth chart. I mean, they, they don't have anyone beside those guys. So I I, I agree with you. Uh, I think we should definitely look at other guys. Who I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't. I, I. I. don't think I know enough. The guys that are still free agent to to make an assessment here. But I think it would be important to add at least one or two guys that are able to rush from from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're probably a they're probably a free agent right now for a reason. Uh, but Paul, you got any guys you'd like to see them bring in or make some refinements on the step chart? Yeah, not not so much guys to bring in. I think if Ingram's available, I think it'd be a, a, a really good option for us um, if, if healthy. But I think one thing I am looking forward to probably more with the defence and the offence is that the fact that there's not going to be as much interference from with, with what the defensive, what, what Lovie Smith wants to do as what happened last year with, with Romeo interfering a little bit, it seemed at times with with the defensive coordinator. So maybe 
that that's one positive with Cully because he's not a hugely experienced where he's not a, not been a head coach before. Maybe he's brought guys in that that's your responsibility and I'll oversee things and throw a red flag here and there and, and not not have too much interference on your day to day and what what you're putting out on the field unless we need to chat about it. So yeah, no, I, I, thing, I, so. yeah, I think unless somebody's egregiously underperforming, I think they're going to be left. To their own devices and this 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 coaching staff's been brought in to 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 be the be you know manage their side of the ball um and he's really here to oversee it and try and keep morale and what is going to be a difficult time because you know when we go through the roster there i don't think um you know it's de- definitely you know we're always looking to improve and that's always the mantra you'll hear from you know Casario and whoever's in front of the media but you know i think i, I don't think there's a spot on this roster that you can't improve probably at some point in the next you know uh, 12 to 18 months, whether that be dra- higher draft picks than we've had, or whether that be you know surprise free agents, or, or or just general free agents in general. If once if we if we're in a better salary cap spot than we are now, if we we ship the Watson contract and Keel Harry was a name that came up today. His agents asked for a trade. He was a a rare first round pick by um, the Patriots in the first round. Would you see somebody like that? Um, being potentially with a Casario history, I know it's Patriots South Mantram doesn't do that narrative all that great, but a big another big body guy, or do you think the the Nico Collins uh, uh, position or pick maybe rules that one out? What do you think? It, I think it all depends on what what you're paying for him, really. If he's after if he's being traded, I think he got injured his first year, didn't he, in the in the league, and then having to get back from fitness, and then second year in, and he's not happy with how many snaps he's already had. If we're thinking that we're going to have Conley and Cobb and, and Cooks ahead of him, possibly he's still going to be down on snaps, isn't he? And it's what what we have to give up for that privilege. If they're wanting anything over a third, then I don't think it's probably even worth starting the conversation on. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I've, I I I don't like the shit here because I I don't think we. We really need that type of player right now. I don't think I don't think he showed uh, enough potential for me in the NFL right now to say okay, we kick the tire on this guy. Unless, as as Paul said, unless it's a very fair price and we just uh, try him out at the the training camp and see how he does. But uh, no, I would. It's a pass for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the argument, Paul, is if we're going to invest any resources. It's got to be defensively, but you thought that about the draft. I mean, yeah. we took a wide receiver and a tight end and a quarterback, so uh, you know I think it'll be it'll be valued on its own merit and its own merit only. I think. Yeah, I think the um, what one thing that we're probably going to have to bear in mind with when people are wanting to investigate trades is we're most likely going to have a reasonably high draft pick. So if you're giving away a, an early third round pick, fifth or sixth, maybe in the third round, it's Probably a little bit more valuable than giving up a a late a late third early fourth, isn't it? So possibly if it was an early fourth pick we were giving up, then yeah, maybe. But and and in terms of that, guys, have you have you got anything you're looking forward to the season, or is it more a case of you know it will it will inevitably turn to at that point at some point? But you know, are you looking forward to anything, or would you take the option to hit the fast forward button now and get to the draft and actually have a have an opportunity to add a transcendent talent towards the end of the or towards the top of the draft. Um, I probably I probably wouldn't want to fast forward through. I'm quite interested in how a lot of these 
low value free agents that we've picked up from here, there and everywhere and how we're going to whittle it down from 78 linebackers to however many we need in the room and, and which ones are going to prove their value and which ones at the end of this, this season, which could be a bit dysfunctional, prove that they're worth hanging around for a few years. See if there's any guys that we can we can hang our hats on. Really, it should be it should still be uh, Zach Cunningham with his hand in the air out of that linebacker room, especially with the contract he's on. But if there's some other guys in there that prove a value and prove that they're worth keeping round, then that should be quite exciting. Really, if we can uh, be a little bit more competitive, even if we went from what we would be 32nd run defense last year, we were the worst by quite a way, I think. But even if we would got even 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 if we got out to twenty fourth, I think that'd be a massive, massive improvement. Yeah, probably the Texan would have won ten games being twenty four last year in defense. So. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything you're looking forward to, Jeff, or would you would you hit the fast forward button now and look towards the the draft and moving Watson and, and starting afresh? Because it feels like we can't start afresh yet. Uh, I mean, uh, no, it's a very difficult. Uh, question to answer. Uh, I think uh, no. I think I agree with what what Paul said uh, regarding that issue. I mean, I have nothing else to to add about about that. How the, how this team will evolve? Um, what's your view? What do you what do you think is the next steps for Casario? Because you know, I, I'm very much in the view that. I'm okay to wait for a quarterback until the conditions are right. Um, and I think it's probably about building a, a respectable roster that's competitive. Um, you know, if one falls into your lap and you just can't not take him, so that's fine. But I'd, from everything we know right now, um, there's 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 no can't-miss guys coming out this year. And I know these one-year wonders get taken high, but there's not been many that have been that successful and they've come to the league cause without you know constant production at college. So... What's what's your next move to, when when the time's available to to improve this you know roster, which is going to be limited as as we've talked about. I I think for me it doesn't come down to one move. I think it's the patience will be the key here. I mean you you have to let's face it the next two three years going to be gonna they're going to be tough, and I think this is exactly the reason why they they took a guy um, uh, like I don't remember his name the head coach. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, David Colley, yeah. <laughs> yeah, McCauley, thank you. David Colley. So I, I think this guy is there just to bring the players together. They they want them to to love to play for each other and, and that kind of stuff because they know they they're gonna they're gonna lose a lot probably. So I think the key here is to be patient. Let let the young players develop, let them play. Uh, and I think it's gonna pay it's gonna pay off in two or three years. Maybe we will have like a good quarterback at that time. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that one or two moves will improve this team to make it like a contender. Okay. I think it's going to be like draft next year drafts and, and then year after draft will be very, very important. I think, I think the draft of the next two years will be the most important thing for this organization more than any, anything else like a, a trade or something else. So, I know it's a boring answer, but I think I think it's it's the the scenario. You have to see very long term here. 
Yeah, I think you're. I think you're probably right. It's going to be a process, Paul. Would you agree that we would? Cal McNair said brick by brick. I don't think he meant quite that. I don't think he knew at that point that you were going to have to find a new everything. Um, we're 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 literally stripping it back to the bare bones and building up again. But you know, is is it two three year drafts to just pick up the best players you can and then just see where you are at that point and gradually building over a period of time, or how do you see it working out? Yeah, I think that's spot on. Really, I think everybody. It's a case of um, when rather than if now that Watson's going to be go and and what we what we receive back in that deal. I'd kind of hope that we receive the draft picks as opposed to picks plus players, so then we can properly start afresh rather than having an older an older guy in the locker room that is going to bring along his history, whatever has happened to him in the past, injuries, etc. I quite like the idea of trying to find some new exciting talent to re-energise the, uh, re-energise the fan base and, and get people back in the stadium and, and going from there really over the next couple of years. And then, like you say, if, if somebody falls into our lap or if Davis Mills actually next year would have been a first-round pick and comes out and shows that next year he would have been a first-round pick, that might be something that we've just stole a bit of a march on really, but... There shouldn't be there shouldn't be that pressure expected on him on him that next year he would have been, he would have been that so yeah I think you've got to you, yeah I think it's a gradual a gradual piece and yeah I I think Mills I think people are only looking at him because he's he was the top pick and yeah I think he's got su- such a long way to go the chances are just so slim I mean it could happen you put it at five you know five six seven percent he could be a, a serviceable player and if he is serviceable to see you through you. A rebuild and he, and he just does enough not to hurt you in games um then then fine you know if he can see you through then then great you don't have to keep signing veterans and bouncing from year to year and you've got somebody who can see you through and you know you're looking for a longer term answer uh but it finishes up guys jeff um what's your expert prediction for this season um and any games that you are looking forward to you think we might get a chance to win i'm not looking for particular game I'm looking for the again I will repeat myself but for the young player development I want to see them grow in the in as as players and in the system I want to see them uh getting more confident uh, doing less mistakes and stuff like that if if I see that they can finish like 2 and 15 and I will be very happy because I I have absolutely no expectation for this year but I don't I don't want them to to waste young players you know, so uh, I, I think I think it's very very important for the for the future for the three four years uh, future. I think, yeah, it, it, that that's it for me. I I, I will really focus on on, on those uh, very young guys. Devel- development over results, Paul, for a year. And yes. yes. Where do you think that leads us? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think getting getting the, the young players involved and, and getting them game time is I think something that hasn't happened for quite a period of time in the franchise really. I think not just last year we've um when Bill O'Brien at the start of the year was preaching the veterans mantra, I think even the year before he was sometimes reluctant to give promising promising youngsters the the go. Obviously fours the the exception to the rule on that because we you have to throw him in to everything else has fallen apart really but yeah I'm, I'm not quite as 
positive as the guys on last week's show <laughs> who were talking <laughs> who were talking seven and ten and, and numbers like that. But I think somewhere if we were four and thirteen or and then a bit but competitive in other games, so it could be six and eleven. I think that would, that would be incredible. But at the moment, four and thirteen would be a probably a little bit more realistic. Maybe picking up wins against the Jags and hopefully do one over the Patriots is always nice. Maybe do them. So just one thing, if I can add, is that the uh, I'm not sure that with all the Casario's move, I don't think they are they are tanking. Okay, they, they want to win games, of course. So I, I completely agree with Paul. I think that their ceiling is probably six eleven, but I would go more with four thirteen. This is my yeah. guess. Yeah, I think they're in the three to five range somewhere in that. And if that gives you a chance to pick up a Premier player above them, you're not sure about the quarterbacks, or you're just slightly out of range of these top three supposed quarterbacks, then you know I was watching Derek Stingley from LSU, and you know, and I heard somebody describe him as better than Jalen Ramsey. You know, and if we've never we've never had a great corner in our history, so if we could pick up a guy like that at the end of the season, it's one step forward to building, you know, to rebuilding a unit to make it respectable again. Um, it's going to be a process, guys, but keep in touch. Um, thank you very much for your time. Great to hear from you. Any words you want to give before we before we head out here tonight? No, I think it's just a case of keeping the faith next year, isn't it? And and, and trying to enjoy it and trying to enjoy the process. I think more than more than maybe what the results bring. So yeah, same for me. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the pros and embrace embrace the bad times. The good times will be yeah. <laughs> a little bit sweeter when they come round. I think that's that's going to be the looking ahead. And uh, and uh, I suppose thanks guys uh, for your time. Much appreciated. I think the big point of doing these things is sometimes you've got to uh, you've got you, you've got to see beyond the, the white lines and, and everything that comes to be a fan. And there's been some great takes and some great opinions so coming on. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks again for everybody listening this week. If you've not already checked out some of the off-season articles, you can check them out at podcasttexans.com. Give the podcast a share, a review. Much appreciated. Help people find us. Um, and we'll be back again next week for our, our penultimate fan round table before we get into training camp. Uh, so thanks again for listening. Please check us out on social medias at podcasttexans.com on Facebook and on Twitter. And we'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.